Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Today's podcast is a conversation with Monique Harding. Monique is known as the Relatable Therapist, and you can find her Instagram handle in our show notes, which I'm sure you'll want to. You're going to want to hear more from her. But Monique and I specifically sit down to discuss what it's like to have conflicting beliefs when it comes to parenting styles. For a little bit of background on Monique, she is a clinical mental health social worker and family therapist that specializes in all things relationships. She uses a family systems lens to support people in developing practical and sustainable tools with a focus on creating more conscious awareness, breaking intergenerational patterns and promoting mental and relational well-being. Monique offers a range of group therapy experiences and courses under her Relatable Therapist website alongside her bricks and mortar psychology practice, which is located on the Gold Coast. Now, if you are curious to find out more about her upcoming five-week group therapy experience, which is called Make Peace With Your Past, head to makepeacewithyourpast.com.au for more info. I will make sure that's in the show notes as well for you. But I really enjoyed speaking with Monique. This is a topic that I have been asked several times to explore because it's one that you kind of don't realize how important it is until you're in it. And it can be really, really destructive if you and your partner or even if someone that, you know, the person you're co-parenting with aren't on the same page for the really important topics when it comes to raising children. So I really enjoyed speaking with Monique and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Monique, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to have this conversation with me. I've been so looking forward to meeting you. I have too, Kylie. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a bit of a strange experience when there's someone that you follow online and then you like have them in front of you and you're like, oh, I watch your stories and I know who you are. It's a bit strange, don't you reckon? It's like they're real. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden. So for those of you who aren't following Monique, we will put her Instagram handle in the show notes so that you can jump over and follow her because I do find your content really helpful, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast to discuss this topic. And the topic is what to do, like how to manage when you and your partner have very conflicting parenting styles. So I guess first and foremost, perhaps we should talk about what that even means. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is important to kind of nut out that definition and exactly, you know, what it looks like, because that 
is probably going to look really different to each unique family. Because I guess what one person considers complementary parenting styles may be described as conflicting to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess can, the way that I try and think about it and get my head around it would be that the, the, the confliction or the resistance would be present if it's having a, um, a negative impact on the children or the young people, you know, their experience of the parenting. And also negative impact, I imagine, on like the romantic partnership as well, because, you know, so many people have experienced this, particularly with young children, where you do develop a bit of a resentment towards your partner because they're not doing it the way that you want them to do it, which can be so layered. It can be to do with the fact that you are doing most of the parenting and you feel like, you know, you need to keep everything controlled and contained and this is what you're doing and fall in line. Or it could just be like such wild differences. But yeah, I can imagine it has an impact on the children, but also an impact on your romantic relationship. Because you can't compartmentalise life, can you? Like you can't Mm. park your romantic connection and your partnership as, you know, husband and wife, wife and wife, husband and husband, um, and you separate that from your experience of parenting as a, a, a couple as well. It's natural, I think, for issues to seep in and out of both of those dynamics, even if you try really hard to, you know, separate the couple dynamic and have the date nights and set the time aside and, you know, really invest in that area. If the parenting side of things isn't going well for you and you you aren't on the same page, and when I say that, like not being on the same page, I don't necessarily mean you have to agree on everything, but there certainly has to be a, a respect um, and an overted acknowledgement of how we're doing things and moving forward and what our general approach is. Yeah, because... I imagine, I mean, you can tell me, but I imagine that there can be a lot of value in parents doing things different. You know, it can build a bit of resilience for a child if dad doesn't do things exactly the way that his partner does. Um, But then it can become much bigger if it's not those little things, if it's really a difference in like values, I guess, overall, such as, you know, discipline. Yes. Discipline would be one of the most common things yeah, I think I can, that parents disagree on. Yeah, I can imagine and how much division that could cause because if someone strongly believes smacking is absolutely not going to happen versus someone who thinks that that's just part of raising a child, mm. that division, it would feel very extreme and would be absolutely. really quite hard. And we feel our children's emotions you know I think particularly as as women like we have we've biologically grown that baby you know in inside of us if we are the biological mother assuming um and you know you have this hardwired attachment to your child that it's natural that even when the person that you love is there um next to you and you've chosen them and they're potentially the one that you've created this little human with it's natural for you to almost take on how they're feeling in the moment isn't it and almost become reactive to your partner um if it is something as you say like such as you know Um, harsh or hard discipline um, Mm. that you don't necessarily agree with. And 
I think just to touch on your point before as well, like it, it doesn't need to be consistent all the time, right? Like it doesn't necessarily need to be a consistent approach from both parents that every single time little Johnny does X, we then need to do Y. Like that's not normally enough to create a lot of conflict in a relationship. Most people can tolerate that level of difference. And as you said, appreciate that there's actually some really positive things that come from that in terms of increasing child's resilience. Because I think at the end of the day, we also need to remember we live in a very um, inconsistent world. And so to a certain degree, like our children's and even ourselves as children, our experience of the world is formed primarily within our family of origin. So we're almost gearing them up to prepare for well, what happens outside of this little, you know, confined experience that I have? So a bit of difference is actually really a good thing. Mm. And you mentioned there that connection that we often feel to our kids and what sort of was coming up for me then was like, yeah, there's like a loyalty and it can be really confusing when you have this loyalty to your children and the way that you want to parent them and the way that you truly believe in. But then you also do have a loyalty to your partner and it can bring up so much internal conflict in terms of, how do I manage this, which I imagine could then bring up a lot of anxiety about kind of juggling these two um, these two feelings of being loyal. Yeah, because it's a conflicting, there's a conflict of interest there, isn't there? Because you've got your role as a partner uh, to the other parent in that dynamic, but then you have your role as mother to the child. And in that moment, you're almost being, it's very difficult to choose both, right? It's almost like you're, you, if there's a, if there's a conflict, you are being called on to rupture one of those relationships in a way. Mm. Um, And I think one of the, if, if we were to look at it moment by moment and that anxiety that comes up, one of the, the biggest things to remember is um, that we can, well, first of all, we can always repair, um, but it's always better to talk about, you know, what came up for you in that moment outside of the presence of the child. So with your partner in a a separate space, right? And unpack that separately, not in front of them because they feel that loyalty and that pull too. It's not just us, right? So if they're saying, okay, well, mum's all of a sudden attacking dad, then that creates a division within the family as well. And all of a sudden we have a triangle relationship system occurring, um, which is very unhealthy and we want to avoid those as much as possible. I am so glad that you mentioned that because I'm sure that dynamic happens often where one parent wants to reassure the child that they're going into bat for them and kind of demonstrate like, no. And as you said, if there's going to be a rupture, most parents are going to choose a rupture with the other parent versus a rupture with the child, with a young child for sure. And so I think that that's really interesting because I imagine lots of people would kind of want to communicate to the child, you know, this isn't okay and I'm I'm going to sort this out. But so important to do that away from the child and because I guess that would reassure the child as well that things aren't, you know what I mean, like things aren't rupturing in front of them and that they're not responsible for this conflict and, you know, kids feel like they're a part of both of their parents. Yes, absolutely. So they don't want to feel this like torn feeling of who does their loyalty lay with, like it's just not fair to put put that pressure on them. 
A hundred percent. You know, they're they're 50% of one, 50% of the other. The loyalty is divided, even if the time in parenting isn't so. And, you know, you see that all of the time. Like we still live in a very patriarchal society. Like all of the research shows that despite how many hours women do at work, they still tend to do the majority of the the domestic load. Yes, absolutely. And so sometimes I think as women, we almost fall into this mind trap of believing that because we perhaps have the most time invested with the children that we then have the right to dictate how the parenting goes and what's in the best interests of that child um but that's very rarely overted it's more often assumed and that I see causing a lot of conflict yeah yeah I I can imagine now how do you suggest people communicate about this effectively other than doing it away from their children? What are some of your tips? Yeah, well, I think it needs to be, if if we just bring it back to basics, like typically people will have certain non-negotiables in the way that they want to parent their kids, yeah? So, and the it's a bit of a visual way of thinking of it because I'm a bit more of like a creative visual So person. am I. <laughs> Go for it. But if you think about like when you crack an egg and like it splats and you've got your egg yolk and then your egg white, I will often draw this with couples I'm working with. So we'd have the egg yolk and you can only put in there one or two maximum absolute non-negotiable. So that really gets you thinking, right? You kind of got to weed out like all of the little issues that what might is be most bothering important. you. Absolutely. And then outside of that, those things become preferences. Yeah. Um, So, you know, they might be things that at certain points in time, you can, you can let it go a little bit. Um, But, and, and I guess what, what I typically see with a lot of families is around that non-negotiable point, it doesn't necessarily, um, it doesn't necessarily bring up like particular rules or really strict things that have to be done, but more requests around process. So things like we will always repair after we make a mistake, you know, like things that acknowledge the humanness that we can't possibly ask our other partner or expect ourselves to show up perfectly in any parenting moment right like as you said there's anxiety there's big emotion not to mention we can't predict that other little party that's what are they bringing to the you know the um the the relationship or the interaction at that point in time um so that's a really just tangible I think helpful way for you to sit down and go well what are your two non-negotiables and why like where do they come from why is that important to you you know what value does that speak to Um, and then understanding well what are the preferences like what would be the things that are more you know still very important to you but are more nice to have that don't quite make it into that non-negotiable box and that just really gets you thinking as well I guess more in a a team way rather than I have control over absolutely everything here. Yeah, I love that. That's a brilliant analogy and just thought exercise. And, you know, my ex-husband and I used to rate things out of 10. That's how we would kind of kind of communicate about certain issues. Like I would say, this is a 10 out of 10 for me, like in terms of never smacking the children. That's like what it, for whatever it could be. That's a 10 out of 10 for me. Where does it sit for you? And say whatever the issue is, say he came in at a 7, but for me it's a 10 because we're a team and we're a partnership 
the one that's at 10 gets to win that. But if we're both kind of at like a five, it's like, eh, we're not going to argue over this. It's not that important. Surely we can reach an agreement. But I just know, like I know that there will be people listening, Monique, who will be saying, okay, but what if your partner is unable to move on anything? Like what if they are like, nope, this is how it's going to happen and I'm not willing to bend or be flexible at all? What do you do there? Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, to be honest, Kylie, that's why the majority of people that, you know, sit in that stuck place probably end up in therapy rooms like mine. Like it's like having that mediator there, that sounding board to actually help you process, talk through is really important. I also often think um, sometimes tracing like history can be helpful if you have a Uh, a partner that is emotionally open and aware enough to go there. Like, you know, anyone before they have kids should be having some form of conversation around, like, what did you learn about uh, parenting, about relationships, about being a child from your growing up experience? Like, and that gets you thinking too, doesn't it? It's like if you were, well, what was the effect of me being smacked? Because everyone I've ever talked to that uh, smacks their children now will say, well, it happened to me and I turned out okay. And my response is always, well, how do you know that you turned out okay? Like you could have been like amazing. You could have been like so much more potentially. We will never know what impact it had on you, but we have this body of research that very clearly shows the harmful effects that it has too. So sometimes that can be helpful, you know, bringing in that research angle, but also a lot of partners aren't necessarily responsive to that when it's the partner bringing it in. It can kind of feel a little bit... um, Patronising. Yeah, very patronising, right? So often that's when we kind of use the relationship triangle by bringing in a third person strategically who's perceived as a bit of an expert to help facilitate, you know, some of those conversations. And if someone is in a partnership with someone who just refuses point blank to go to therapy or to have that third party, is there still benefit in them doing the work on themselves? Absolutely, because I think sometimes the work isn't necessarily in you learning new ways to convince your partner to be different, but in you adjusting how you feel about them not changing. Yeah. Yeah. That can be really powerful. It's such a big one that I get often in the DMs from women or Mm. or it's always women reaching out to me saying, I feel really strongly about this, but my partner just is not able to move on this at all and I don't know where to from here. Mm. And I think um, for whatever reason, well, obviously because I've been through a divorce, but people will always reach out to me and say, this is what's happening. Is this the point I need to leave my marriage? And I'm always like, oh my gosh, I have absolutely no idea. Like it's such a layered thing. It can't just be like, oh, this woman on Instagram that you don't know says, yeah, sure, go and leave your husband. Mm. And I always say, get into therapy, get an expert to give you advice and guidance. Mm. And the response is often my partner won't do it. Yeah, but I think then sometimes it's about you gifting that to yourself to help process this, right, as to, well, what's my next step? Because 
you know, them not wanting to do that or not budging or staying really stuck and, and rigid within, you know, their ways is information, isn't it? Like that's communicating a value to you around, well, this is the way I see family. Um, and if if that's not the kind of relationship that you'd, you want to be in and if that's not how you see yourself raising your kids, sometimes your values will be compromised and then that's never going to possibly work out in the long term, is it? Because you won't ever feel fully satisfied, happy and fulfilled within that relationship. But there'll be other things where having an external person, such as a therapist to help you think through this, might lead you to a point of, well, I think this is something I can actually make room for and I can, you know, help, I don't know, mitigate the effects of it through X, Y, and Z and it's worth me staying because of these reasons. Yeah, such a personal personal dynamic, isn't it? And so you mentioned there the yoke being mm. the non-negotiables and yeah. then you've got your items that you're willing to be a little bit more flexible flexible on. Mm-hmm. What are those items usually? Like in your experience, what are kind of other than discipline, what mm-hmm. are the non-negotiables and then the things that people can often be a bit more flexy with? Yeah, like often it's um it's things like uh, school um, structure of days, like around like it can be like such I don't know like to some people might feel like very basic things like as what we feed our kids. There, well, that's why I want to ask because I think people will be going, oh, well, we've got these differences, but is yeah. it a problem? Yeah, and even sometimes the way discipline is executed can sometimes fall into that area too Um, because some people will decide well the repair is more important than you know I don't know we never raise our voice at our kids or um, like if you because again like those kind of uh, expectations placing them on yourselves you're you're not always able to meet those Um, but often it is more things like I would I would refer to them as like structural things within the family so who does what um, what kind of you know how do we respond when um, I don't know there's or how do we manage pocket money how do we manage um, chore charts like because I guess these days there's a lot more information available to parents around parenting styles, um, around childhood development, brain development. So for some parents, and you don't see too many couples actually now thinking about it that are both really wanting that information. It's normally more one than the other. Um, So we might have, I don't know, mum that comes in that's read 20 books all around um, brain development and, yeah, conscious parenting and um, she's done the, you know, the free triple P course and, um, and then we've got dad who's just kind of sitting there but then is very vocal when he doesn't agree. Which can um, be confusing when someone's passive but also has a very strong Yes, opinion. absolutely. And I, I, I can see benefit then in the relationship therapy process because I'd imagine for mum in that example, she's probably going to feel super frustrated and quite disrespected as well when her views after she's done all of this research are not being on it. But then you might have dad who's sitting there and going, well, know I don't feel like I have a voice and I feel really disempowered in this process and it's really important for me to feel part of this family so roles definitely come into it right it's like well you know if we can't agree then 
what's actually fueling this rigidity? Because um, it would, I, I don't know, like it would be very hard for someone to have such a strong value around it being super beneficial to physically harm your child. Mm. Like if you actually sat down, gave them space and you were just there to listen and not persuade, I, I wouldn't imagine that too many people would get very far in that discussion. Yeah, it's so interesting. And just hearing that kind of the daily operations can often be the things that people are getting stuck on, that Mm. makes sense to me because often in parenting you can just feel so out of control that you just want to control the controllables. And I think it's a really common story that the main caregiver can Mm. become quite uptight and quite rigid around those sorts of things. So just even acknowledging in yourself, okay, what are the things that are like actually top priority versus the things that might just be my preferences that's a really powerful way to look at things anyway regardless Mm -hmm. of what your partner does but some two things that you mentioned one repair when you say repair does that mean so everything goes sideways but the way you recover the way that you say to your child look the the wheels came off today I'm really sorry that that happened or this is the way we're going to do it moving forward Mm -hmm. is that what you mean by repair yeah and that is the most critical part that bit at the end that often gets missed so you know when I'm talking about repair I'm meaning revisiting their previous situation that was unideal um, whether it's with the child whether that's with your partner but connecting with them around this is what was happening in the moment you know you kind of doing that storytelling piece and mummy's going to work on that by this so perhaps let's use the example because it happens all of the time, we're all human, of when, you know, there's been some conflict or perhaps we've parented over the other parent in the moment, Um, that as well should be acknowledged to the child because it's really important that we we separate that triangle again and reestablish what's referred to as like the parental hierarchy. We don't want the child to feel like they're getting up there. That's too much responsibility for a young person. They shouldn't feel like they're being parentified and have a role in managing, you know, let's just go nuclear family, mum and dad. So in that instance, we'd turn to the, the little one and say something along the lines of, hey, Charlie, like what happened before, you know, mum did this to dad um, and that's that's not okay. Like we're going to go and have a conversation now and get on the same page on this moving forward. Oh, my gosh, I love that advice. That's something I've often – I've always done it with my boys because we are all human and so yeah. – Say you do have a time which happens where you don't act in a way that you want to act or that you're not proud of. And I'm the first one to turn to the kids and say, I am so sorry that I had that big reaction. That big mm. reaction is because mummy's like, and I might list a couple of yep. things that are going on for me age appropriate wise, like surface level stuff for them. And that like, that's what's going on for me. And then I had a big reaction to you so that they mm. understand, like just, I don't know, taking responsibility. Yeah. And then you will, you will raise children then who come to you and talk in that same way. Oh my gosh. My two are the best, like they're eight years old and their level of communication is wild. Sometimes I feel like they're giving me therapy, the stuff that comes out of their mouth. It's insane. (laughs) It's Um, the modeling though, isn't it? Like it's, it's so incredible what they pick up on. And I think, you know, 
often we get stuck in the content of things, right? Like, you know, we get stuck in the content of, well, what what will we do? What's the plan moving forward? What are our non-negotiables? When sometimes we need to step back and go, well, perhaps our non-negotiable is more around the process of how we do things. So if we are feeling um, left out or if we are feeling um, disrespected by the other parent, we will all we will always have a conversation about that in private within 24 hours of it. So it's almost like you make these packs together, right? Um, because they're the conversations I think that are almost helpful before you have kids like how will expect the parenting conflicts right they're going to come up you're from two totally different upbringings two totally different attachment styles potentially different family of origin experience most of us just either repeat or oppose what we experienced in our own family unless we have these really intentional uh, conscious conversations with our partners it's so important what you're saying there about identifying the process. Yeah. And I guess that also I imagine there's like a level of awareness about the escalation because that's mm. what I think often happens when there's conflict in, conflict in parenting. It's exactly what you said. Someone speaks over the top of another person and then it goes up and then it goes up and that's when all of the past resentments come up that perhaps you've not dealt with that you're just smothering and you're allowed, you know, quietening them down Mm. and then eventually it escalates and escalates and gets to a different zone so that repair part is really about clearing absolutely yeah because when you understand the brain you know that you will bring emotion from past similar theme experiences into the present day like our emotional part of our brain doesn't do timelines very well it reacts as if we're back in that moment so if you've had 10 very similar experiences with your partner where, which have been escalated where there's been hostility disagreement frustration big emotion then we get to the 11th one and you're not just responding to that present moment you're responding to 10 plus 1 so there's a huge intensity that comes with that Whereas when we commit to the repair, we're clearing that past. So we're we're able to be more present in the moment with, well, what are we actually dealing with here? And also that repair process can often come up with some really great ideas in terms of, well, do I have permission in the future to, I don't know, touch you in a certain way if I'm feeling that disrespect or if we're disagreeing? Um, So you can kind of almost like future-proof yourself too by creating more connection in that moment. And if someone is new to having these sorts of conversations with their significant other, what are some basic like non-violent communication kind of strategies they can use? Well, I think, Kylie, vulnerability is always met with vulnerability, right? It's often when we kind of like dictate an agenda um, that the conversation doesn't tend to go so well. Whereas if you turned to your partner and said something along the lines of, I've been feeling a little bit anxious about bringing this up with you. I don't even know if I can get the right words out, but I think it's probably important for us to sit down and have a conversation at some point over the next, give it a time frame, um, and talk about how we can be more aligned in our parenting 
So you're already communicating it in a really positive way, right? You're not talking about, oh, let's sit down and talk about how different we are and how much we're disagreeing on X, Y, and Z. It's like, how can we come together on the same page? When would be a good time for you? So you're asking permission, not assuming that then and there is the right time to have that conversation. So allowing them some time to kind of process as well. Yeah, not bulldozing anyone into a conversation they don't want to have. And I'm also hearing from you I statements, like I'm feeling anxious and I want us to get on the same page versus you're making me anxious or you're doing this and that. And I guess those simple little word swaps sometimes can make a difference when it comes to someone's defense mechanism. Absolutely. Language is so important, isn't it? Like even swapping an I for a we, it has a a slightly different feeling to it. Yeah. But when we're acknowledging our emotions, I think it's really important that we stay in the I. And then when we're looking more towards the future, that's when the we really needs to come in in terms of our hopes. That is just such a helpful little tip for anyone to take into a conversation. I statements, talking about your emotions and your feelings like currently, but then, yeah, we moving forward. Very clever. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Little tips and tricks. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is such a big topic and it's one that I'm sure we could dig into for hours and hours on end, but we don't have hours and hours on end today. Mm. Where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more from you? Sure. You can find me over probably Instagram would be the best place and my handle there is at relatable.therapist. Amazing. I'll put those details in the show note. And you also have your Make Peace with the Past course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming up um, on January 31st, but then we'll have another round coming up in Feb. Um, So all of those details are in my bio and that would be perfect for the woman that you were referring to before that is feeling like she's not really getting anywhere with some of this stuff, feeling stuck because it's all around exploring our past impacts, how we're bringing that forward into our relationships noticing anxiety and how we can move forward yeah incredibly valuable again Monique thank you so much thanks Kylie thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast if you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the kind parenting company offers parents and caregivers you will love the range of programs we have available the range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20 that's KPC Podcast 20 at checkout. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.